Well, hello, everybody. It's a, another edition of Pivotal Conversations. This time, we're back to our usual format with, with Richard and myself and a, uh, and a guest. We had a few, I guess you could call them live because that sounds cool, a few live-to-tape recordings that we did at Spring One Platform. But now, uh, now that's all over with, and we're back in our geographies and not sucking in the ex- exciting Vegas air. It's a dry heat there, people would tell me. If you show up in Las <laughs> Vegas from Texas, everyone's obsessed about differentiating their heat. But I finally met someone from uh, uh, Mississippi, and, you know, we had some common ground about the, I guess, the wet heat, as it were. How about yourself, Richard? <laughs> did you have fun uh, figuring out how the heat is different than up in Seattle? I did, yeah. And, you know, I live in Seattle. I was in Los Angeles last week where there was just heat i I guess it was dry you know 100 is 100 so i I guess (laughs) heat is heat at some point you're just trying to justify uh the types of clothes you're wearing and how many showers you take yeah yeah that's that's a constant justification we do a roi pivot table on that showers and uh clothes changes and uh based on your top line growth never mind the bottom line optimization which is always expanding so totally unrelated to that comment why don't you introduce yourself guest yeah, hi, uh, happy to be here. My name is uh, Ronan Dunlop, and I head up marketing for Pivotal Tracker, which is uh, Pivotal's product management tool of choice. Well, so we're we're gonna dive into that, uh, such a, such as we we do diving in the the I get the second sort of half of the show. But first, we have some news items to go over. Just very little brief thing. So first of all, I uh, I, I mentioned we are back from Spring One. Now we've at first I think because you know you have to edit the videos and stuff. There was a bit of a trickle of videos that we have, but I just noticed this morning one of our our uh, our salespeople, John Grosshandler, like posted a big old playlist of videos we have in YouTube. There's like no lead gen or nothing. You can just go go check them out. And there's uh, there's one there. I did a presentation there and ignite one, and one of those is in there. And I think most all of the keynotes uh, from from customers and users of Pivotal are in there with all sorts of other delightful ones. And we'll put a link to it in in the show notes. But man, there's there's a lot of viewing in there. Yeah, I think there's a, a hundred or so in there, and then I think John uh, jumped the gun, which is exciting because once you share links, then you can't tell people they're embargoed. I know that's that's so, the uh, the secret the secret doing... of the secret of pivotal guerrilla marketing is just uh, just post that's it, right. see what happens. But yeah, there's, no, these are a lot of the high priority videos. Uh, we have a a syndication deal with InfoQ. We're going to also be publishing a lot of more technical talks through InfoQ over the next many months. But these were a lot, of, as you mentioned, the keynotes, a number of great customer case studies. I don't know. I mean, you and I, Kote, attended, and a lot of us attended. I, I was impressed with the quality of the case studies. So it was fun to watch some of these. I know some have already gotten shared socially and getting some good traffic. Yeah, they are pretty nice. Well, I'll, I'll be, you know, I think all of us will be. But uh, one of the things I always do with this, these kind of things is is watch them and go in and like make URLs of the time codes to specific things. Because I, I was talking with someone recently, you know, a lot of the a lot of the type of content work and talking with people that I do kind of depends on uh, extensive footnotes. So I was remembering back when I was learning to write in middle school, they used to make you write down facts on four by five note, note cards. And it's sort of like, you know, you got to go into the videos and gather up all those note cards. And as I understand it, once you have a sufficient number of note cards, an essay spontaneously creates itself. So, so that'll be fantastic. It'll just be essays everywhere. <laughs> fantastic. We should really call what we produce in like uh, corporate marketing like essays. Wouldn't that be quaint? Like not a white paper. Like this is an essay that mm-hmm. we have on on uh, migrating from an ESB. Good old essay. Right. Long-form essays. Well, speaking of essays, another news item is that the uh, Gartner Infrastructure as a Service Magic Quadrant is out. I, you know, in, in one of my uh, my other podcasts just last week, the Software Defined Talk, we, we talked about it in our, uh, I don't know, kind of raunchy and ribald kind of way. Very, We're a very clean, family-friendly podcast here. Very professional. But uh, there, there's a reprint that you can Magical. get. That, and, and so you can kind of read over it and, and I'll, you know, I'll give more of a pointer to the, I, I did a blog po- post of highlights from it and we talked about it in the podcast, but I think for me, uh, you know, I mean, there's two things of, of interest. One, there's not that many, uh, vendors, so to speak on the quadrant, which is kind of interesting to think about. And there's basically two groups as called out by the commentary itself, the winners, which if I remember are uh, Amazon and Azure and then everyone else. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's the other part that's kind of a, an interesting theme uh, throughout the commentary of the Magic Quadrant is uh, 
this i think i think the wording they have is like this phase of of the IAS market is is over and check in back in like 2018 for another phase of it if it should occur and that other phase they kind of highlight a little bit of what they think um i forget mm-hmm. all the authors it's definitely lydia and her gang but it's uh it's essentially like it's it seems to be that IAS and paz are emerging more and more or that the leading IaaS vendors have a lot of PaaS functionality, and they start they start sh- showing up hand in hand. Which, of course, we care a lot about being in the don't call it a PaaS PaaS market ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's a good read. I mean, I, I, we've got the reprint link in the show notes, and it is a beast. There's a lot of content in there, but I think as you mentioned, the top line takeaways are a Azure's catching up, and then b everyone else's niche. I mean, those are probably mm. your two biggest takeaways coming from this. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of other good meaty stuff in there around kind of this convergence of application concepts and infrastructure concepts. There's plenty of mode one, mode two sprinkled in there for, for goodness. But overall, I mean, this is a, a culmination of a lot of work. Before I, I joined Pivotal, I was working for one of the IaaS providers in the quadrant. And, you know, that was a feat of of effort to get that survey filled out. It was, it's a monster. So I, I say that because there's a lot of data that goes into this. This is not dartboard stuff. This is not just who do I like. This is extremely data-driven. And every MQ is not the same. It depends on the, the team putting it together. But this one, you know, they use the products, a lot of interviews, a lot of inquiries, and then a giant survey. A good data-driven stuff in here. You may not like where your favorite provider sits in there, but it's hard to argue with the output. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely worth uh, worth running over there. Yeah, I, I think I think anyone who's had to uh, uh, fill out the surveys for Magic Quadrants has a whole different appreciation for them. <laughs> so right, to speak. and they do give you a they give you a t shirt when you're done, which which I appreciate. That'd be fantastic. Maybe shot out from a cannon towards you. That that would be uh, that would right. be appropriate. Well, you know, we have a rare opportunity, I think, with with the news items to ask our guest. As, as a potential customer of that stuff, because Tracker runs as a service, if I remember. So so do you guys over there, like, do you get all excited about the Magic Quadrant coming out? Like, how do you think about where you run Tracker and, and uh, where you operate it? Um, that's an interesting question. You know, we, we're, you know, we have some uh, big players in our field, and I think this whole space is changing to a certain degree. Uh, you know, there's the IBMs of the world, the HPs of the world. Am I allowed to mention other people like that? I'm not too, too sure. Sure. Um, and uh, and you know they've done a you know a bang up job in the past of having these these highly sophisticated uh, you know uh, application lifecycle management tools um, and uh, and you know I think you know Pivotal has taken a very different much more agile approach to software development and I think this is something that is somewhat new to the enterprise and I do believe that these magic quadrants do focus on the larger institutions so we come much we come down from a, a bottoms up approach from the startup world and and we're breaking into the enterprise more and more on a team level I guess I should say and uh, we just had we had a first discussion with um, with some analysts was a week or two ago and talking about our position and uh, it's interesting I don't think we you know I think if anything we pop up as a as a nice footnote as a, something to watch but you know we're not competing head to head with uh, these these very large all-in-one uh, tools. But uh, but you know the, the the funny thing about Tracker is that it's you know it's it's got such a, an affordable price point that we're we're often in in many of these enterprises. But uh, just teams have decided to not really tell anybody. Just use Tracker, put it on their credit card, and slip the expenses in somehow. So so uh, so it's interesting. We are in the enterprise, but not. You know, serving right now ten thousand people, for example. Right, it's sort of the under the radar quadrant, <laughs> which, 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 which is which, 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 which we kind of like actually. Sure. <laughs> but it's hard, it's hard to get customer quotes when you're flying under the radar because they actually want to remain hush hush and not be discovered. Yeah. Yeah, and even the quadrant itself, I think, was clear to point out that this is the enterprise perspective of the clouds as well. That right? I mean, you might love DigitalOcean, you might love one of some of these other solutions, and you may think they're superior for some reason, because it fits your use case, that this is a Gartner-centric view of the world. So you still, you know, based on other criteria, your rankings may be different. So sometimes people get worked up, well, I know Google's amazing. They're the best cloud in the world. For their their stuff, absolutely. And for their use case, maybe they are for you. That doesn't mean the Gartner mode one or two world where they're looking at enterprise tools and, and integrations that it is the same fit. So it, it's interesting. It's not the only playbook or the only scorecard. 
And then the uh, the last news item, speaking of like uh, public cloud land, I, you know, I didn't read too much in this, but I remember the headline that uh, this is like maybe last week or something that, that the Google last Cloud week. added in SQL or SQL server support, which is, which is, uh, I mean, I, I, I know two things about that. One, it's Microsoft's database. And I remember, mm-hmm. I remember those, my favorite, some of my favorite tech ads ever where there was, this was many years ago, but they were like little eight bit, like sort of pictures. And there were big, these big skyscrapers and helicopters were coming in, dropping off SQL servers on top of them. It was like a, uh, it was an interesting sort of perspective. But two, you know, if I remember market share, I don't know if they're number one, but they're definitely a number two. Like their SQL mm-hmm. server is way up there. And I think, I think I think it's one of those market as with most market share stuff. If you know it, it's obvious. But if you ha- haven't really thought about it, you would you would not quite realize it. But by this time, like SQL Server, turns out for probably a decade or more is is kind of a big deal. So uh, I think I think it's little wonder that uh, you see that added to to cloud support. Yeah, and Google was a little late in adding kind of straight up Windows support when they first launched Google Cloud was all Linux centric. And then they added Windows. And as you mentioned, I don't know if they're still doing drone based delivery, as you described the SQL servers <laughs> at uh, companies. But uh, yeah, absolutely. When you look at the transaction per second, all the benchmarky stuff, SQL servers, you know, usually one or two They're from sales perspective, it's, it's a great deal for Microsoft. So for Google to show that they're enterprisey and legitimate in this space. Adding SQL Server support was huge. And then they also finally GA'd a lot of their other data products. Like they have a MySQL relational database as a service. They have a column-based NoSQL storage, big table. And then they've got more of a, a document-based NoSQL storage option. And, you know, these are measured in the, you know, of course, in Google scale, like, oh, this, you know, processes trillions of requests. Like, of course it does, because it's a Google product. So all of those are generally available. I think it just Continues to reinforce. I did dip into the Gartner conference in San Diego last week and attended for a couple of days and was impressed by the Google sessions because you can argue that their breadth of service is still catching up to Microsoft and, and Azure. You can argue that they're not as enterprisey, but boy, you can't argue that they ha- don't have probably the most impressive tech underneath it as they've got this ridiculous network footprint and a, a ridiculous amount of compute. So, you know, if, if silly performance is your game, then it's hard to argue with what Google's doing. Mm, Speaking of magazine ads, it's like on the back of every trade rag, uh, which is to say magazine about technology when it was in three dimensions, very thin (laughs) three dimensions, but three dimensions nonetheless. There used to be those ads that would compare sort of like uh, spark chips to x86 chips and things like that. And those are always entertaining. What was it? Silly performance things just to see what your raw your raw speed was. Those is a great. There should be some Tumblr blog somewhere of old tech ads. Unfortunately, I've recycled all those magazines, but maybe I can go to the uh, the used bookstore, find some old ones, and get you know a kajillion followers like me. I would subscribe. I would read it. <laughs> We've got at least one, and then I'll I'll use a fake <laughs> account to subscribe to myself, and there'll be two. It'll be fantastic. Well, you know, to to as an ad hoc kind of topic, how how was the Gartner Catalyst thing? How would you? Uh, First of all, what is it? And then how would you summarize it? Yeah, so Gartner Catalyst is their annual event. I think they've been doing San Diego for a little while now. And this is their more technical-oriented conference. So this is meant to be the group that is a little more in the weeds of tech. You still saw a lot of sport coats. So this was not, you know, the hacker community. This was still, you know, people wearing suits in some cases. And and then those sorts of things. But it's still meant to be more technical. You know, the Pivotal booth is right next to Mesosphere and, you know, and others who are doing containers. And so this was not just, you know, show me high level load testing tools and, and giant monolithic project tools. So good, good for that. So good conference, you know, awesome audience. I think it was like 16, 1700 people. Great crowd, good location. And the content was good. It was you know, Gartner, it was definitely some higher level reviews of stuff. Some of the case study stuff was interesting. Some of the technical discussions were good. But, the, you know, the booth traffic, I, I did uh, man the booth just as eye candy. I didn't have a lot to say, but I was at the booth and, and listening to conversations was interesting. Many, many, many people still walking up saying, we're starting our cloud journey. Like, wow, what year is this? But it's easy in our my Twitter tech bubble or, you know, when I just chat with friends to think, boy, everyone is just, you know, a a week away from containerizing their legacy Siebel app. And then you realize that these people have just started to pick cloud. 
you know, they're just even getting into IS. So I, I think an awesome reminder that we have to continue to blaze a trail, but let's not assume that we've just moved on to the next cool thing and we're not talking about what actually mainstream technology professionals are actually dealing with day to day. So mm-hmm. good conference, great reminder that it is really for, easy for us to go, eh, DevOps is already getting passe. We're on to microservices and, and microkernels. Like, good Lord, people are just figuring out platform as a service and you know accelerating CICD. Let's not move off of any of these things yet. Let's actually double down on them. Yeah, blazing through the blazers. I, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I was looking at some of our... Uh, some we we were discussing the conference internally, and yeah, I mean, what you're saying like kind of matches what what uh, the sense that I get, which is to to put it in a de- another way, there's this section of of the uh, of, of IT departments of the market out there, which which is most of it that has this interesting chance to basically leapfrog over the past, let's say, five years of innovations in IT, and I think. I think one of the things that's difficult for us, uh, us cool kids or said eye candy to realize is that like we have to uh, we have to like proactively argue against and for a different set of things than we do in our own church, so to speak. Right. So like, well, we might get our cackles all up about like different container formats and like, is this a PaaS or not a PaaS? Like, it seems like when you go talk with the mainstream market, they don't understand what it is you're talking about. Like, thankfully for right. them, because they didn't have to live through all this weird stuff. And so as as the concepts, you know, settle down and become mainstream, it's more important just to talk broadly about, like, how mm-hmm. does this apply to how you do software and things like that? And anyways, it's it'll be, yeah, it'll be an people... interesting challenge for all of us who talk about this stuff over the next few years. Yeah, and people are still just in absorption mode. I mean, I could tell. So you have a PCF booth where people would walk up and go, what is Pivotal? What, what's the point of a platform? All right, let's go. And we'd spend, you know, five, ten minutes to do some some demos. And they'd walk next door to CoreOS, who is super low. I mean, we're talking container orchestration. Like, you're not yeah. messing around there. They, yeah, and it's awesome tech. But that same person would go over there. And I'm thinking, what is your opening line there? Like, hey, now I know what a platform is. Tell me what containers are. So I, I don't think it is. There Again, people are just trying to learn and saying, what is out there right now? Because we are inundated with change. So I thought it was good. People are clearly just trying to pick up some nuggets. We were giving, we sold out of our, uh, we didn't sell them, we gave them away. But all our little eBooks on Matt Stein's book on cloud native architecture, Kevin Hoffman's on Beyond the, the 12 Factor. We've had him as a guest on the podcast, those were just getting grabbed up like candy, which was great because people are looking for information, not just sound bites. Indeed. Well, this this is a good uh, a, a propose or you know uh, connected to this. This reminds me of something that happens frequently when I'm at conferences and, uh, as you say, uh, staffing the uh, the booth. And that is, I, I've I've often said you can divide up the type of people who walk up into three buckets, and I'll do it in my reverse order. Usually, there's people who like know about Pivotal and everything that we do, and they might even be customers, and they just come up and they just want to talk shop, as it were. And then mm-hmm. second, there's people who don't really know anything about Pivotal at all, and they just they want to know about that, and you know, you you talk about them about the history of Pivotal and what we do, and and I guess if you're a good salesperson, you try to have them talk more so you can find out about them. But I can mm-hmm. as as people can. Predict. I usually can't help myself. Uh, and and then third, we ha- there's usually someone who comes up, and you have to be really careful with this third set because they'll be like, "Oh, we use Pivotal. We've used that for years, and this." And they talk about it, and they're all happy, and they're like, "Yeah, we have other people who use like Jira, or other things." And I don't know. I like I like the Pivotal thing. And then you realize, oh, what they mean is they know Tracker, and and like right. basically Tracker has this uh, kind of cult following out there for many, many years. And it's I, I find that there's a lot of people who know who know Pivotal. They know they know Tracker so well associated with Pivotal that they just call it Pivotal. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they, they don't always call it Tracker. So how's I that for right. how's that for a second? You're gonna yeah. you're gonna try to make that transition, but you've missed the fourth category, which I have to point out, which is those swag monsters who literally <laughs> don't, don't make eye contact. Walk up grab whatever you're doing and fill their Santa bag full of giveaways for their, for their family. So That's they true. want the pivotal launcher rocket. So we did only have a few of those, but you can't leave out that fourth precious category. Yeah. Th- th- those, I like the, the ones in that fourth category who are so optimized and self-aware that they just hold their badge out to you to scan it. Right. Just like, we know why we're here. Let's transact and be done with it. That's right. <laughs> but speaking of that, so here, here we have. Uh, why, why don't you, why don't you tell us about yourself and, uh, and then segue in yourself into like how you got involved with Tracker, special guest. Yes. Hi. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that whole 
you know, people going, oh, yeah, we use Tracker. I think it's, you know, the reaction you get from the larger Pivotal team is is excitement and frustration at the same time. <laughs> it's like um, Tracker does have, you know, it's kind of like, oh, yes, Tracker. And um, it's great for us. I mean, we've, we've, we've grown word of mouth. We've been around for 10 years now. So we've grown organically word of mouth uh, in great part thanks to, you know, our our relationship with Pivotal Labs. So Pivotal Tracker is a product management tool that was created in-house a while back when we were experiment when the company Labs was experimenting with Ruby on Rails, and uh, and um, they decided to build something to build up their chops in that in that space, and uh, and lo and behold, Tracker was built, and um, it you know became a tool of choice for all internal projects, and then when clients left, they asked if they could keep on using Tracker, so we gave them access, and then over time, people that we had no relationship with were saying, oh, you know, I've heard of Tracker, can I get access? And it just kind of grew from there. And then uh, only in the last five years did we decide to start charging a nominal fee for it because uh, it just became so popular and we were dedicating a lot of bodies to it. So, so, uh, so yeah, so Tracker is, um, is really, uh, it's an interesting tool. You know, we, we're, you know, grown organically and we never started, you know, the, the thing about track, which is interesting, is we never originally planned to market it. It was never meant to be a, a big cash cow or moneymaker. It's just, if anything, it's been a very good uh, brand recognition tool among the development side. Yeah, and I think, I think the, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also one of those people where, like, I, I remember Tracker from way back when, and it's always been around and kind of in the periphery. Uh, and so I, I was familiar with it from... Uh, I don't know from whenever, but you know, I, I think I think recently with this idea of a uh, a circle of code, if you will, which is you know we've got several versions of of this uh, this idea, but but the first part of it I think is where Tracker fits in pretty well, which is like, well, if you're going to be doing software development, it's a pretty good idea mm-hmm. to know what it is you're going to be doing, <laughs> and and then. No, it, no. It it follows from what you from that is like, and then as you're doing it, as the name would imply, it's a good idea to kind of track it and keep up with it, and and it's really you know what I haven't actually used Tracker uh, from a developer perspective, but it seems like a lot of what what Tracker specializes in is if you're very focused on uh, what I would generally describe as like an agile iterative process. It's pretty much exactly the type of tool and and the tracking that you would need for doing that. And and then also not only from a developer perspective, but facilitating what the the product owner and the managers around it would need to do as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know, um, it's. Uh, I think Tracker's done a phenomenal job of avoiding the trap of. Uh, over listening to customers and just adding layers and layers of features and functionality to the point where the tool becomes really complicated to use. And I think at the end of the day, you know, our our, our message on our you know, on the pivotal bio site, um, where you know our corporate message is transforming how the world builds software, we're we're much more uh, we're less we're less uh, ambitious than that. And you know, our message for Tracker is transforming how teams build software. And um, and I think at the end of the day, the functional team. Has has really evolved in the last five to six years to uh, to be just to be more than just developers uh, with a maybe a, an anchor developer managing the project. It's become you know uh, product managers and design and 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 testers. So so Tracker is uh, trying to keep pace with that evolving modern software team. Um, I think that they're, you know, and then I you know right now with the circle of code and that uh, and that new message that we're putting out there, I think Tracker just fits beautifully into you know Pivotal's larger mission now, and it's it's uh, yeah, it's nice to see us uh, see us being you know part of the, the larger Pivotal story. Well, so, you know, yeah, what, so- one thing I, I've been curious about is is uh, we have a very like like in Pivotal Labs, the part that does a uh, you know, well well the namesake of the company and the part that does a lot of. Um, agile consulting and, and pairing with people to, to work on these projects. There's a, there's a pretty opinionated specific way. I think even people call mm-hmm. it the pivotal way of doing things. And, and yet we don't really have like a book. There's not sort of like the manual of how to do it. And so I wonder like how, yeah. how much does tracker like mirror what the pivotal way is versus being somewhat general? Like, like where do you guys draw the line between like, so when labs goes in and does a consulting project, this is, the way we do it 
realized in a tool versus like here's a general purpose tool and sure. you know you know i don't i don't think the right answer is like general purpose like a like a trello or something because because then you have to spend a lot of time configuring it and setting it up and so i wonder like where that that line falls in there sure i mean yeah there's a, <laughs> i could talk for hours now on this topic um um you know it's interesting i think that uh on the one end, you have these these powerful tools like Trello that are open ended and and very flexible, but uh, let you do anything. And then on the other end, so we like to see ourselves as you know having Trello on one end of if we're in a spectrum with a small little range, uh, one end, and then uh, Atlassian on the other end, which is highly customizable and uh, you know you can build your perfect project planning tool. What distinguishes us from those two is that you know we are a planning tool right out of the box. We are, we have a structure, we have a process, we have a flow uh, that's already baked into the tool. Whereas these others, you have to, I guess, you know, assert yourself on it. You, get, you have to apply a methodology to make them work efficiently. And Tracker has always struggled with, well, how how prescriptive should you be? Like, how flexible do you want to be? Because we, you know, we came from a place where Pivotal Labs has a pretty strong opinion on how software should be developed. And and our tool was designed to support that process. Um, but at the same time, you know, unlike Pivotal Labs, we're out there in the world and people are using our tool without, without the benefit of us saying, you know, well, this is maybe a smarter way to use it, or this is maybe, you know, this is, this is how you could use this tool better. So they're, they're, they're out there, you know, and adapting it to their own processes and, and environments and, uh, and facing situations that, you know, are, are unknown to us. Um, you know, Pivotal Labs is really a, a nice safe place to code, I guess you could say, right? It's, uh, I mean, I think, and uh, and so, you know, Tracker in that environment works great, really well. And so um, it's optimized for that environment where it's all about the developer, it's about, you know, short iterations and test-driven development and pair programming. And it's all, oh, this is beautiful, you know, uh, sacred uh, place. It's almost like a monastery uh, for developers. And, um, and uh, so I think Tracker's had to, you know, walk that line of like, well, that's we're great in that environment, but outside of that environment, how do we be more flexible? And I think that we've done that rather well. I think that you know, at the end of the day, we're still a one-page app. I mean, mm -hmm. everything is visible; it's on one page. All the stories are there. There's a few basic columns, and it's a bit Kanban-y, but you know, I try and avoid that term because you know we're not strict Kanban, but it's very visible. Uh, the idea was that this tool was designed for pivots to be able to work through their, you know, to develop code and efficiently and fast and uh, and not get in the way of that. So I think we're, we've still, we're still delivering on that ease of use side. Uh, and I think for a tool that's 10 years old that could have gone down the path of, you know, Jira and Atlassian, I think, uh, you know, that's a huge win for us is the simplicity uh, of, of its use. Because when you make a tool simple to use. And this is, you know, something that Slack has proven and, you know, lots of other tools. It's the iPhone and the enterprise. Um, people will use it. And if people use your tool, then the data you collect from that tool will be much more accurate than other tools where somebody's just putting in their time two weeks after the fact or adding comments to a story or a project that they built that they, they completed, you know, a while back. So this mm -hmm. is a tool that's used daily live by engineers and product managers and UX and um, and uh, so you know at the end of every day or even during the day minute to minute um, you know a product owner can can get a good read on where things stand and also the nice thing about Tracker one of the it's the special features is that you know we do this whole pointing system maybe we can get back to that in a second but we are we're predictive to the extent that if your team uh, is moving at a certain pace. And depending on how much work you've already put into the pipeline for Tracker to to digest, uh, we can we can help you predict when you'll be done with your the specific project on your product. So, um, I could ramble forever. Why don't you tell me what else you want to say? I, <laughs> yeah, I want to I mean, say you touched on a few things. I mean, you name dropped a, a few key agile terms as we think about, you know, stories and points in your backlog. And so, I mean, clearly Tracker has a certain model. Can you help folks listening who may be familiar with, I don't know, Microsoft Project, if that's what their their world is, but, you know, the people who might be thinking of heavyweight project management tools, what is the 
what is the agile overlay that sits on top of Tracker as you think about backlogs and ice boxes and epics? And so what is that kind of architecture, not technical architecture, but what are those components that make up a Tracker story or solution? Yeah, uh, yeah, don't forget, I'm just the marketing guy, right? I'm not even the product marketing guy. So um, uh, so we're not going to get too technical on Tracker. But, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's all about um, – movement and and you know and the true term of agile is agility right is to be able to move forward and for the whole team to be able to to do so and not just one or two individuals um you know tracker is uh as i said a one-page app that breaks uh the work down into tasks that we call stories and each little story is like a its own individual email if you would like it's a self-contained bucket of uh that that communicates to the team what is required. So whether it's as simple as I want to be able to drag this item into the shopping cart, or I need to be able to delete this item from my shopping cart, how would you go ahead and you know code that? So, um, and all the conversations that the team needs to have happen in these you know little stories. And uh, and Tracker has four flavors of stories. We have a feature story, which is the major, the core component of Tracker. And uh, it has a few baked-in elements, such as uh, the ability to point the story and to assign team members, uh, as well as um, you know attached documents that have conversations in there. Um, then we have a very simple bug tracking tool, so you can either choose a story to be a feature or a bug. And uh, this, at the end of the day, this is you know not a overly complex bug tracking tool. If you see a bug, you write up your story, label it a bug, and that's the bug. Uh, and then your, you know, your your testing team can decide on on if they if they want to have like a template that they want to add to each of their bug stories. But uh, and then we have uh, release markers and chores. So it's a very simple process. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know it's one of those things that a development team can get it within half an hour or an hour. Yeah. Even if they're not that familiar with agile, they can get the basic work, workflow, and uh, and they can hit the ground running right away. And um, but, you know, I think what people discover is that the more that they – you have to embrace Agile to a certain degree. So if you're coming from a Microsoft project world <laughs> where uh, it's it's a bit of a rude awakening because there's a certain – there's a philosophy that's baked into Tracker. And when I first was exposed to Agile, I was a little bit – it was a shock to the system, right? When you mm-hmm. – you know, it's, it's shoot first and second. It's mm-hmm. kind of a basic philosophy. And you kind of readjust because you have these very quick feedback loops, these short feedback loops that allow you to course correct at any given point in time, um, six months or in a year. That's uh, that's no longer the case. We know we're all about what can we do this week and what can we start, what can we even do this day? Right. I mean, that's, and that's, I think, I mean, you, you touched on it just with that statement, but somebody who comes in and thinking we're going to add our traditional 36 month projects backlog into tracker and kind of put all those into one monolithic release. Like I don't don't even know if tracker would collapse under the weight of, you know, 8,000 stories in one release. But I mean, there's the whole point you're trying to, it almost the tool helps encourage you towards quick rapid releases. No, that's the point. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to counter what you just said. I mean, tracker actually doesn't collapse under that level of (laughs) that number of stories. I mean, Trello does, uh, but but Tracker actually is extremely robust, and we can ha- handle an infinite amount of, sto- of stories. I awesome. think that I think that uh, you know what's what I like to t- you know describe Tracker as is a much more honest product management tool than most. I mean, there's no way that a product owner can predict what's going to happen a year from now and have everything mapped out to be aligned perfectly with our, that release date. And make that happen in a very smooth, orderly fashion from day one to day 365 from now. It's just not possible. Um, people come and go. Uh, <laughs> needs change. Requirements change. It's just too far out. And you know, and one of the core tenets of, of Agile is that you know uh, developers are are terrible at uh, determining how long it will take to do something. So, you know, one of the things that's that's a core component of Tracker that I think many of our users get, but it's one of the more challenging aspects of Tracker is is the pointing system. And then when you break work down and you try and point to all your features, it is is thinking in terms of complexity. How how difficult will it be to to you know develop this feature? And is it going to be easy or is it going to be medium or is it going to be hard? 
And developers are much better at doing that and having the conversation as a group around what constitutes easy, medium, and hard. And and when that happens, uh, they get better at it when they have these conversations. And uh, and over time, that's where Tracker can kick in and help help a team be predictive as to when stuff will get delivered. Um, but you know, when we've always we've seen when people start trying to guesstimate how long something will take it becomes, it's it's much harder, even though those two are very similar. It's a fine line between talking about complexity, because after a while, people will know that, okay, well, if I can do 10 points in a week, and that breaks down to about two points a day, then is 1.4 hours? Uh, <laughs> maybe. But then you start falling into the trap of measuring in hours, and we try, we try, we try and encourage, you know, we encourage people to avoid the whole tracking in time, just tracking complexity, and everything else will sort itself out. Yeah, you know, as 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 you're going through this, that it, it 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 occurs to me. That's a great phrase. But uh, you know, I, I I I was wondering, like I was using the phrase that the uh, uh, the pivotal way is very opinionated because people say that all the time, and and to some extent, uh, it's almost not any more opinionated than any other system. And and in fact, you might even think that like it has it only has a few like strongly held opinions, but everything else is basically like just figure it out, which which is to say, as reflected in something like Tracker, um, like I remember one of the last tools I used when I developed software, uh, it had like, I don't know, 80 fields for a bug, <laughs> which which is pretty ridiculous. And and I, I might have even joked about this here. I mean, it's sort of like uh, to use a metaphor. Like those eighty fields were like if you read through your uh, your house mortgage. Like every line or every sentence in a, in a mortgage is like a history of everything that's gone wrong with buying a house. Like it's very well documented there and may not be appropriate for the current transaction. Anyways, you're, but, abs- but you're absolutely it, right. You're absolutely right. I mean, I just want to kind of say. I mean, I think that's 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 the the leap of faith. I think that we exactly. ask of customers who get into agile is. Is as opinionated as people think we are. We are. We asking you to be less opinionated <laughs> than more right. opinionated about where things are going, and it's really stressful for a lot of people to not, <laughs> because to a certain degree you're trusting the process, and you have to under control. It's like it's like understeering. It's like it's like turning into the curve when you're skidding on the road, as opposed to turning away from it. Right? It just doesn't feel natural if you're new to agile. But once you get exactly. into the groove. It, uh, it it's surprisingly powerful and liberating. I know, and, and I think I think I think you you uh, you you're summarizing what what I was thinking there in the sense of if 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 you trust in the process, let's say if you trust in the software more than the meatware, right? And you trust the process is going to do everything for you, then you would expect a project management tool to have a lot of fields and a lot of things, right? Because the job of the people in there is to fuel the process right to be kind of like the raw fire that makes raw wood that makes the process fire go uh to be all emulation or emulating or however you say that there anyways but i i feel i feel like a lot of the opinions that that uh that we at pivotal have and people in the agile world is like all the complexity is up in a person's head and so let's shift all the complexity there right like the reliance is more and more on the meatware than the tools that you have around it and so that's why there probably isn't like a 500 page manual somewhere and why there aren't there isn't, you know, the so-called infinite configurability in something like Tracker. Like it really just focuses on a few fundamental things and everything else is just like done by the people around it, which I think I think to the point about uh, uh, there's probably some snappy title out there like in search of certainty or something. But once you sort of accept <laughs> that, like like most software, uh, certainty doesn't really enter the picture, that it's more. It's more like the uh, the Renaissance like sort of phase of science where it was just like I don't know let's see what happens and hopefully I don't blow my face off or you know, <laughs> like but it's more about like setting in, in in place a process where you're learning and discovering things rather than just executing on known things over and over again having certainty mm-hmm. and so you need think- you need tools that support that kind of uh, that exploration and I think I think the point system is a I don't know if it really fits to that view of things but it's an interesting example of that where we don't have enough certainty to really over time accurately predict time that things will take but we can kind of make up this thing called points that's sort of like this overlay on reality that that helps us scope and size things and it gives us a very relativistic but still useful way of thinking about 
how big is this thing? And therefore, how mm-hmm. big it is determines how long probably we need to spend on it, or more importantly, the attention we need to pay to it and how we think about it through the process versus like, oh, this is a five-hour task. This is a 15-hour task. Like, that doesn't, in, in, an, in a, a process that has a lot of uncertainty in it, the amount of time it takes isn't extremely helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think at the end of the day, you know, what Tracker tries to do is just make teams be honest and have an honest conversation about what needs to be done. I think what, you know, the, 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 the main friction points in software development always come down to poor communication or poor articulation of direction or, you know, uh, somebody not, you know, explaining what they wanted or what they meant or what, what, the, what the, where the hurdles are. So I think at the end of the day, you know, these point discussions, it's not about how long it takes is it's how long do you think, how complex do you think this is? And if you think it's a complex thing, let's discuss it because then maybe I didn't realize how complex it was. So, you know, we're all about breaking, helping people break things down into manageable chunks. Because when you think about, I'm going to launch this new app or this crazy new thing a year from now, and we're starting from scratch, it can seem overwhelming. And everything is overwhelming, right? But it's the whole idea of like the a long journey starts with the first step. So how do you break it down into that first step? And what are the first steps? What's the next step? What's the step after that? And I think that that's where Tracker really shines is that it, it really encourages people to be have honest conversations with each other about what needs to be done, how complex is it going to be, and and promising to you know product owners down the road that oh yes we'll get this done really soon because I just told the team to do it. So so uh, you know I think it's uh, it's it's this honest communications tool that I think that that's where Tracker shines really, and what makes us different. And it's you know and it's also for everyone on the team. That's the other thing. I find that a lot of these other product management tools are there's a product management owner and you have to be certified and trained to be able to go in there and even massage and coax it into performing the way you want it to perform. And that's yeah, I mean, not tracker. To that point. So, I mean, where do we who else do you see? You know, is this something you ever see teams have up on a board where multiple teams are looking at it? And, you know, beyond just, hey, did, you know, you're talking about with Pivotal devs jump in and update stories and, and jump into that. Is that where, again, you see, you know, you can only have an honest conversation if everyone's actually participating? Uh, yeah, I think so. And otherwise, you know, people's. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I think that, you know, that that's that's uh, that's Tracker's intent. I mean, there, there's this is if the team is going to be developing this then the team has to have a voice and a say. And that's why we point as a team and and stories are, you know, we go through we have the, the iteration planning meetings. Right? We know at the beginning of the week, the team looks at the stories they're going to tackle this week. They go through them. They talk, they discuss them. Has, has any information come their way that has uh, changed uh, what they believe is the complexity of, of the individual story? And also, are, have new stories been thrown into this week's workload that they weren't aware of? And if that's the case, how is that going to impact their release date that they may have in here? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so a tracker is a very, you know, people dismiss it as a lightweight tool, as, uh, you know, as a, you know, it's not a fully functioning ALM tool. I think at the end of the day, what we challenge people to, to assess is how complex of a tool do you really need? So, and I think that that's where Tracker, you know, has proven itself, you know, year in, year out, is that people who like Tracker realize this is enough. Otherwise, the process gets in the way of the app. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I could bend your ear on this forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and Tracker and, and where, where I think our strong suit is, and I do think we're different from a lot of other tools out there. Um, but, you know, the future of Tracker is, 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 is very bright. And, uh, and right now we've been very focused on, uh, on small teams and startups and, and that environment. But we are aware that we need to function uh, better in uh, a larger team environment, larger structures. And that's where, we're, that's where we're going right now with, you know, working with a circle of code and making sure we're, 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 we're pulling our weight in that environment. And uh, as well as, uh, you know, for larger enterprises, we've got to worry about single sign-on and uh, infinite project history and, and things like that. And, you know, better team management dashboards so that they can add and remove people more easily. Um, all these things that, you know, were not an issue for a much smaller startup team. And uh, these are just some basic things that need to be done on, on just the managing the tool. Um, but, you know, our hope is that, well, we'll add that layer of, of sophistication for, for teams uh, that the core tracker will be the same for for everyone. So, and then finally, just keeping our base happy. I think that's going to be mm-hmm. our that's our, that's our third point is that we have a very 
fanatical is too strong of a word, but we have a very loyal, happy customer base, and uh, that's opinionated themselves, right? We have an opinionated tool that has some very opinionated users, and uh, and we're very mindful of you know uh, keeping them happy, and uh, and I think that's also going to be another big push this year is is uh, what is it that makes them really happy, and how can we do a little more of that? So so before before we wrap up, I, I want to I want to get some free consulting here uh, from from you. It's 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 a bit of, it's a bit of an abstract thing, but uh, <laughs> so so I I uh, I uh, and I'll try to make it a shave dog instead of a shaggy dog lead up to it. But like you know, I I stopped doing development in like two thousand six, and uh, I I'd always been a programmer in my professional life, and I just like learned that from high school, and then I went into like the white collar world. Right. So so just envision. Right. Like I'd I'd uh, I'd learned how to do project management and fit in with a team and like deliver on something as a software developer. And then I go into uh, let's call it the white collar world. Right. Like of, of Excel and Word and MBAs. And like it always struck me that they do pretty much absolutely no project management. <laughs> right. Like there's no like when you move into this area, there's not really like. There might be like a Gantt chart and there might be like a weekly status meeting with the VP that has some PowerPoint slides in it with like the Christmas tree status for stuff. And so like, you know, me and some other like troublemaking colleagues, we're always trying to pull in some project management from the developer world, right? And then along, I think more recently towards the end of the 2000s, along came like all this Kanban stuff and like cards and stuff. And and we would try to introduce that. And, you know, long story short, like, I have never really seen, at least in my experience, which is totally anecdotal based on me, like, very rigorous, thorough project management outside of, like, the engineering world. And uh, so I'm, I'm more interested in, in, in your take on this. Like, like, it seems like it would be useful because <laughs> a lot of, you know, there's, there's some white collar work that you do, which is just, like, gather the information, put together the TPS reports, like, do the stuff, like... We could basically call it the robots haven't taken your job yet uh, category of things. Uh, but then a lot of it is like really open-ended, uncertain things, right? Like, so we came up with a new product and we need to figure out how to convince people they should buy it. Like, you can't really write a program to do that. Like, it's, it's, sure. it, it's an iterative process as well. And so I wonder in your, uh, in your like, adventures in Tracker, if you've, <laughs> if you've seen, like, like, in the outside of the development world, like, how do people react to it? And, like, does it apply outside of that world? Or, like, how can we get all these white-collar people to, like, get their act together and do some proper project <laughs> management better? Um, I, it's, it's not possible. <laughs> all right well no 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 you know, there you go shutting off a lot of wasted time is a yes, good answer yes, yes. <laughs> right, right to it no you know i think that at the end of the day i think you know it's because okay so you know uh, the pivotal tracker marketing team uses pivotal tracker to manage projects and it's it's a struggle as you said sometimes we have these open-ended stories that you know require <sighs> tracker is a very linear product you, st- you know and it's just, and it's really optimized for software development teams and the idea is that you know you 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 work your way down the backlog you start at the top of the list and you work your way down the list because the product owner the product manager has done a great job of organizing mm. and grooming what we call a back and and so uh it's take the top story do it go on to the next like going to the butcher shop right i'm taking i'm i'm you know taking that tag taking that number taking the next number and um and and while that might sound a bit mechanical that's just the process, but the the developers devour those stories, yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, and it's you know, and they've they've had discussions about it, they have meetings about it before and at the end of the week, and and it's just it's a process that works really well because they can just you know put their nose down and just and just tear through these things because all the conversations that they they need to have have already happened and they they know exactly what needs to be done and if there's any issues conversations can happen in there so trackers optimized for that i think for people where they need to get an approval from a third party and it just it gets more complex and breaks down i think that there's you know if somebody we have a great api we have a wonderful api if somebody wants to take tracker and reskin it and 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 optimize it for an other industry like maybe you know another vertical industry maybe like legal or something else i i think there might be some interesting things that could be in there. Um, it'd be a slightly modified process. Um, and I don't think Tracker 
as of yet, has any plans to 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 go that route? So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think, I think, hard. I, think I, th- I think you're hitting on one of the 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 fundamental roadblocks for me wanting to apply a developer project management mindset to the white collar world, which is, and and I don't think it's uncurable. It's just there's a lot of work to do. Is is developers are taught very early on to break things into the smallest unit possible, and and sort of like spend a lot of time upfront more or less or and you start internalizing this but you break it into little units that are doable that hook up together you know like i hate this metaphor but metaphoric lego blocks or whatever whereas whereas it also strikes me that the mindset that a lot of uh we can pick on marketing but a lot of just as one example i mean it could be marketing or finance or hr or whatever but in all of these other non-development uh disciplines they don't really break things into small chunks routinely. Like they might stumble upon it and do it, but it's not like a part doing components is not an issue of it. And so therefore, yeah, you, you know, as you were going over it, like, yeah, you would end up with these story cards that were basically like Q4 messaging. <laughs> right. And you're just like, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that is, that is a, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need to get back to the fundamentals and fi- I, I, fix I, the I, I, I totally hear you. I know one last anecdote, and I, and I and then we can call it quits. But there are developers that uh, that have used Tracker to, for example, renovate their house, right? Work with contractors, and 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 that's a somewhat linear project. But at the end mm. of the day, you know, they they get their spouses involved with with Pivotal Tracker, and they try and track everything through there. And I'm like, I feel so sorry for their relationship <laughs> that they have to inflict their thinking on their partner and their contractor. Yeah. It's it's a nice thought. Uh, and and we're very happy to support that because we're free for up to three people, right? So Tracker is definitely, you know, go to town, do these small projects, do whatever you want. But uh, but um, it's uh, <laughs> you're on your own is all I guess. Well, I I, th- I think I think I think to summarize this this topic, it's uh, you know, <laughs> using uh, project management for your wedding makes a great medium post, but probably not a happy spouse. Like you just you just want to avoid that. <laughs> so exactly on 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 that note. Well, thanks thanks for being a, a guest on this episode. Where where can people if people want to check out Tracker or learn more about it? Where where should they go? Uh, two well, two obvious sites. One is pivotaltracker.com uh, and sign up. The first month is free, but we're free for up to three users, and definitely, and we're also free for .edu's and .orgs. Uh, so, and we have public projects, so we have plenty of ways to use Tracker. And then also you can find us on the Pivotal.io site. If you go to uh, Pivotal.io, you can find us either on the footer or under the, the labs heading in uh, the main navigation. So, uh, so yeah, give us a shot. Give us a, and then, you know, any questions, reach out to us. We have a great, great support team that's super responsive. And, and are, you, uh, are you on Twitter or anything like that that you want to throw out? Uh, at PivotalTracker.com. It's a great way to, to reach us and ask us questions. And, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's our main avenue on the social media. Well, that sounds great. Well, as always, this has been Pivotal Conversations. Thanks for listening. If, if you deign and have the time to go uh, either send us a comment, I'm, uh, I'm Cote, C-O-T-E in Twitter, and, and Richard is Arsa Roder. You can, you can write something to us, or you could even go super fancy and leave us a rating or review in iTunes. That would be nice. Oh, boy. Just, just like make our day. We'd, ha- we'd be done for the week. Just spend the rest of the day off because we'd be so amazed. But, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think as always, you know, whether we're recounting uh, what we've seen at conferences from Towers of Dungeness Crabs to exciting PowerPoints, we'll be here. And you can find us at pivotal.io slash podcast. Or if you go to SoundCloud, you can find us at soundcloud.com slash pivotal conversations and on iTunes and everywhere else out there. And as always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.